Well, howdy hi there. Welcome on in to VG Emporium, video game music, and more. I am the proprietor of this fine establishment and your host, Rage Cage. And uh, hey, we just got done celebrating the one-year anniversary of the grand opening of VG Emporium. And so now that, you know, the celebrations and all that are done, it's time to get into some serious work. So we're going to be digging into, like, not just one, but two OSTs. So really getting into, like, their sound chips, the systems they were on, like, you know, talking about the games themselves, as well as the composer that they share. And so these games are Gekitotsu Pennant Race 2, also known as Clash Pennant Race 2, released on the MSX2, and then Namachuke 68, which I just recently learned, translates to Live Broadcast 68, and this was released on the Sharpex 68000. And these two were developed and published by Konami. And the composer is Yuji Takenochi. Ah, and I forgot to mention that these are both baseball games. So yeah, boy oh boy, we're gonna have fun just really getting into these. So, to start off, we are starting off with Gekitotsu Pennant Race, and the track that we opened up with was Opening. So now as the name would suggest, Gekitotsu Pennant Race 2 is a sequel to the game Gekitotsu Pennant Race, or the full name, The Pro Yaku Gekitotsu Pennant Race. And it was released in 1988, whereas Gekitotsu 2 was released in 89. So a little bit about the first one, it was your typical, you know, baseball game on the, in the 80s. It had like, you know, you could pick your team, and then pick the CPU team, you know, play, and then you could edit your team's stats as well as you could pick two CPU teams to watch and play, but everything was on static screens, so the screens would switch depending on, like, you know, the ball would go here, and you'd see it go that way, and, you know, or whoever was running, so, yeah. And Gekitotsu 2 pretty much just stays with that same formula, except it adds smooth scrolling to the movement, so instead of being, like, you know, one screen to the next, you could actually, like, hit the ball, and you can watch it go, and it would just, like, you know, go around, and then whoever gets it, and then you have your choice between an open stadium or a closed stadium, which I would imagine maybe changed the way how, like, you know, home runs worked or something? I don't know. See, other than those graphical changes, uh, the games are pretty much the same, excepting for the music. Whereas the first game was just, like, uh, renditions of, like, you know, popular baseball tunes. Gekitotsu 2 just has, like, this amazing original music by Yuji Takanochi, which is, you know, downright beautiful at times. And with that, we're gonna get into our next track. And this is Selection BGM from Gekitotsu Pennant Race 2, composed by Yuji Takanochi. Selection BGM from Gekitotsu Pennant Race 2, composed by Yuji Takanochi. So now we're going to use this time to get into the MSX, and tell you about the little bit I know about it, and having some assistance here from the good old internet. So yes, this game, Gekitotsu Pennant Race 2, was released on the MSX computer system, though I think more specifically was released on the MSX 2 Plus, which was an only, like a Japan-only release of this uh, computer. 
And so for those that may not know about this uh, little computer, maybe wondering, what is the MSX? What does MSX even mean? So what it is, is a standardized home computer architecture, which was co-created by Microsoft and ASCII Corporation in 1983. So this coming June, the June 16th, is going to be the MSX's 40th anniversary. Uh, yes, uh, so this computer system was made to be marketed in the uh, eastern sector, so like, you know, eastern parts of the country, so think Asia, Russia, a lot of, like, eastern Europe. Though it did gain popularity in some South American countries, such as Brazil and Argentina. Uh, before I go any further, though, there's one name that needs to be known that was, like, really big behind all of this, and that is Kazuhiko Nishi, who was the vice president at Microsoft, as well as the director of ASCII Corporation. And he was the one tasked with mar the marketing and all this, but as well as, like, you know, helping to develop the system, like, you know, kind of figuring out, like, what components to that needs to go into this thing. And one of the things he was really pushing for was to make the MSX a standard, very much like how VHS became the standard for video cassette recording. And so a big part of this is that, like, you know, any company could make an MSX computer or MSX hardware or software, and um, it would work with any MSX computer. So, like, you know, you get a piece of hardware from this company, but have an MSX computer made by this company, that hardware will work with that computer you have because everything is built to, like, you know, be totally compatible. And so it's on its debut, um, you know, it, it did pretty well, like, of course, in Asia and Eastern Europe, those areas, but um, when it was being marketed towards, like, the U.S. and the U.K., it was pretty much just smacked down by the combination of the Commodore and the ZX Spectrum and, you know, whatever other microcomputers were going on in the UK. And so from 83 all the way up until the 90s, there were um, four variations on this computer system. So, of course, MXX, and then there was MSX2, the MSX2+, Plus, which was exclusively released in Japan, and then the MSX Turbo R, which was also just exclusively released in Japan. And of course, like any computer system which was originally made to be used for, like, you know, product productivity and work and all that stuff, Games make their way on there, and there's one company that took real interest in this system for some reason, and that is Konami. And it's actually where a couple of games that, you know, that are really well known now, like, got their start on, so, like, you know, Metal Gear and Parodius. As well as releasing some titles that were had been released on the Famicom earlier, so this would be uh, Castlevania in the, uh, in the form of Vampire Killer, Contra, and Nemesis, which is uh, Gradius. And you think it would end there in the 1990s with the MSX Turbo R being, like, Panasonic being the only company, like, you know, actually manufacturing MSX computers, but... It goes on, and uh, I'm going to cover that in another episode because I'm going to be doing a focus on the MSX's multiple, multiple uh, sound card expansions. So look forward to that in sometime in the future. And so here I'll have for you some jingles as well as one of the best tracks in this soundtrack, in my opinion. So this in this order is going to be Lucky 7, Game Set, Team Switch, and then Ending with Statistics. All from Gekitotsu Pennant Race 2, all composed by Yuji Takanuchi.
Oh yes, the song's so good that I had to play it thrice. I could have played it four or five times, but I don't want to drag it on too long. And uh, that was Statistics BGM, preceded by the jingles Lucky 7, Game Set, and Team Switch. All from Gekitotsu Pennant Race 2, composed by Yuji Takanuchi. And it's just inexplicable as to why I love this Statistics song so much. It's uh, one of those ones that, like, you know, every once in a while when it comes on, I start to tear up. I get, like, those weird um, kind of fuzzy feelings inside, and I tear up. You know, it's just so deep inside my head that I had to do a uh, YM2413 cover of it. But I can't forget to mention how I discovered this song, and that was through a, an extended arrange by, uh, by a chiptunist by the name of Tane that he made in Trillo Tracker, which is a tracker program for the MSX, made using the uh, sound chip pair that was used to make this OST, which is my segue into talking about the sound hardware. That being the one-two punch of the AY38910 and the Konami051649, also known as the Konami SCC. The AY chip was the standard sound chip used in all MSX systems, and it was capable of three channels of pulse wave, that's square wave, generation, as well as noise generation, which can be used in any of those channels or in combination with the pulse. So in the instance of this soundtrack, it was used primarily for percussion and some backing little melodies. And so in the case of the Statistics BGM, the uh, AY chip is being used for the percussion, um, backing up the bass that's already going on with the uh, SCC chip, as well as a uh, delayed little melody going on with the main melody being done by the SCC. And actually, here, let me turn up the AY chip's uh, level here a little bit so you can hear for yourself. That melody, very delayed, but adds that little extra touch to the main, like, uh, SCC melody. And that very snappy percussion, that is a combination of the pulse channel being, like, uh, for the kick, being, like, just very, like, quick, like, you know, quick cut, high pitch, and then the uh, snare is a combination of that same sound with a noise trailing at the end. And, of course, that very low square channel bass to add some body to the already kind of, like, high pitch, higher pitch bass of the SCC. So now, that's the AY chip for you. Now, to tell you about the Konami 051649, which I've been referring to as the SCC, which stands for Sound Creative Chip. And it is a wavetable synthesis sound chip with five channels capable of 32-bit waveforms. And when put in the right hands, it can sound so good. I mean, uh, a really good one to check out is a SD Snatcher soundtrack. That is some amazing, amazing work. So let's see here. Um... Channels 1 through 3 are independent of each other, so they can have, like, different waveforms going on, whereas channels 4 and 5 are locked to each other, so if one channel has the waveform, the other one has that same one. Though this is remedied with the Konami 052539, which is also known as the SCC+. Now, a little fun fact is that the first game to be released with the uh, SCC support was F1 Spirits, though in Europe that would be Nemesis 2, even though that was made after F1 Spirits. And so now the SCC was a uh, expansion chip, but instead of being inside the actual computer, it was inside the cartridge. So, like, you know, some games were released with the SCC inside the cartridge, and, um, you know, people being the way they are, they found a way to hack around the game ROM, like, by removing a pin, and then just being able to plug the cartridge in there, and then having games that also had SCC compatibility on a hard, on, like, a little floppy disk that you could plug in there. So instead of having to have the dedicated cartridge, you could have the ROMs of the game, and then just have the cartridge inside the computer to then play the sound. Or to make things easier on yourself, you could just get the cartridge that was uh, shipped with Snatcher or SD Snatcher, which was just the sound expansion inside that cart. Now, one of the little tricks I like about wavetable-based uh, sound chips is that you can switch the waveforms on the fly for a channel. So, like, on a, say, like, an instrument patch, 
you know, that's just all the envelopes and stuff. You can switch out the different wave, the wavetables in there to like make these really cool complex sounds. Which is actually showing off a little bit in our next track, which is the ending theme from Gekitotsu Pendant Race 2, composed by Yuji Takanuchi. The ending theme from Gekitotsu Pennant Race 2, composed by Yuji Takenuchi. And yeah, that little intro bit of the song had that kind of like that waveform changing thing going on, so give it that kind of grindy, phasey kind of sound. And that was probably in part due to maybe the sound programmers, because uh, we're going to talk about Yuji Takenuchi now, and this was actually his first game that he worked on for Konami. You know, starting at Konami in 1989, he, uh, you know, got put on the sound team because, you know, he had some experience making music, but he had no music, like formal musical training, so it made things a little tough. And when he started, he wanted to make music for, like, you know, the NES and Famicom, but Konami put him on doing compositions for MSX, this game being one of his first projects. And obviously off to a very strong start with this game, and then he would just keep getting better, like uh, Space Manbo, which is the next game he worked on, he considered, you know, like, the music that he contributed to that being, like, some of his best MSX work, and then he would go on to do Karth, and then do picking up sound design, doing sound design for Nemesis, and then as a member of the Konami Kukeha Club, uh, was one of the contributing artists to... SD Snatcher, and Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake, being the last MSX title that he worked on. He would then go on to contribute to various Konami arcade titles such as X-Men, Hexian, Gaiopolis, Mystic Warriors, Crypt Killer, Tokomeki Memorial, Tyson Puzzle Dama. And this is the last title that he would work on with Konami because in 1996 he left Konami and joined Sony Computer Entertainment, and the first title he would work on there is Circadia. And he would contribute music to various games such as Toma Runner, Geki to Zatoma La Arc, Toma Runner vs. La Arcs and Seal, I got that right, Sky Gunner, Mad Maestro, and Chain Dive. And then leaving Sony Computer Entertainment in about like 2003, 2004, but then would uh, come back to help with contributing music to Ace Combat X Skies of Deception in 2006. He would then join From Software to be the lead sound designer for uh, Demon Souls, and then would go on to do the music uh, stuff for. Monster Hunter Diary, Poka Poka Iro Village, and uh, Poka Poka Iro Village G, and then would be the sound designer and do the car character creation music for Dark Souls. And in that same year of 2011, he would work on Instant Brain alongside Hideki Higuchi, Tadayoshi Moria, 
Tetsuro Sato, and here's the really cool thing, Keishi Yonao and Ryo Umimoto, just before his unfortunate passing. Then in 2014, he would be one of three sound designers on Dark Souls 2, and then after completing that, he would leave from software and join Access Games, and contributed to the title D4 Dark Dreams Don't Die, and then shortly after that would uh, contribute arrangements to Project X Zone 2. Then in 2018, he would contribute to The Missing J.J. Macfield and The Island of Memories, and then arrangements for Toho Genso Mahjong, and then the last game credit for him is Dragon Quest Keshi Keshi as sound design. But that is not the end of his story, but I will continue this on after a few more tracks. And actually, I did leave one game out, and that would be his only contribution to the uh, Sharp X 68000, and that would be Namachukai 68, which is the game that we're going to be featuring next. And boy howdy, I tell ya, he brought his A-game for this. So I'm gonna play for you, in reverse order, opening, and load. From Namachukai 68, composed by Yuji Takenuchi. was opening and load from Namachuke 68 composed by Yuji Takanuchi released for the Sharp X 68000 and yep this is another baseball game and it's just crazy how like a lot of sports games around this time have just like these really really crazy awesome soundtracks and as you could probably tell this is a pretty strong start for the OST and it just stays this good it's some at some points even better 
you know, for me personally, uh, when I first listened to this, I was just like, my mind was blown, just like how good it sounded. And um, here's a cool little fact. It is actually a, a favorite of um, Dalek, who is one of the developers of Deflamask, which is a, you know, the multi-chip tracker. And actually how I just found about this, uh, the soundtrack in this game was through an arrangement that he had done. You know, he mellowed out the patches, um, totally, you know, took out, you know, did none of the percussion on it. And um, yeah, it's just a really nice, uh, really nice arrangement on the on the one of the tracks that'll be coming up soon and uh you know it's just so nice that i actually use it as my alarm but yes before i talk more about the music and the man behind the music um let me tell you about this game and uh actually strangely enough i can't find much information on it like you know about what it is and all like the specifics but you know it's a baseball game so basically you know same thing as a geki a geki totsu pennant race you uh pick your team you can you know like uh, customize the stats do all that stuff or pick piece of, you know CPU versus CPU but the cool thing is that it actually treats it like a um, like you're watching the game on a live broadcast where they actually have newscasts like you know people like actually talking about what's going on with the game play by play type thing I think you know because uh, like some screenshots of the game show like you know this lady and a guy kind of like sitting at desks with the microphones and they're like have a screen next to them showing like what the happened with the previous play and all this stuff so you know a pretty cool uh, curveball to throw in there <laughs> <laughs> but jokes aside, um, it's actually a pretty good-looking game visually because, um, you know, it's the same... The computer, the Sharp X68K, is the computer that was used by a lot of, like, um, companies to make some arcade games. Like, you know, Capcom used it to make a lot of their CPS-1 games, like, uh, you know, uh, Street Fighter 2, for example. So this is some top-of-the-line technology right here. But before we get more into that, I'm going to blast your ears with some more good-ass tunes. So what I got next for you is Menu, Pennant Race Start, and Pennant Race. All composed by Yuji Takanuchi for Namachuke 68.
yeah. That was Menu, Pennant Race Start, and Pennant Race, all from Namachuke 68, composed by Yuji Takanuchi. Oh man, and this Pennant Race track, um, for some reason, uh, when my wife and I were on vacation in uh, Colorado visiting her family for Thanksgiving, we were going on a trip, we were going three hours south of Denver to this place called Joyful Journeys, and on that trip, I just started hearing this track as like a Commodore 64 like version, so I was like, I kind of started messing around with it on Mask on my phone, and then over those next two nights there at Joyful Journeys, staying in a yurt in the middle of nowhere, it was cold. Got, had these really nice hot springs though, really nice hot springs. And um, just over those two nights, I just like blasted through it, just like looking at the individual channels, uh, putting like, you know, figuring out the sounds to use and stuff and compressing like, you know, this eight, nine, no, nine channel epic down into three channels. And that was, uh, that was a crazy time. Now you may be wondering, what do I mean by nine channels? Well, I'll be getting into that a bit later. Because now I'm going to tell you about the computer system that this game was on, and that is the Sharpex 68000 or the Sharpex 68K. Released in March of 1987 by Sharp Corporation, it was marketed to be a personal workstation, so like a lot more powerful than the uh, current PCs that were out, like such as the NEC PC series and the FM Town. Because whereas those systems were like, you know, either 8-bit or 16-bit, the uh, Sharpex 68K was a 16-32-bit system using a Hitachi HD 68HC000, which was based on the Motorola 68K as the main CPU, and um, of course over the years that would be upgraded. And then on the software side, it ran a, an OS called Human 68K, which was based off MS-DOS. So it worked pretty similarly with it, uh, excepting that instead of .exe, the executables were just .x. The more you know. So yes, of course, being like, you know, a personal workstation computer, it was used for like, you know, business stuff, a lot of like, you know, typing and whatnot, but... The, one of the big things, of course, that came of it was gaming because, yeah, the graphical power of this thing was in, insane, like it matching our arcade systems that were out at this time, including up to the 90s because, you know, the processes were interchangeable or upgradable, I should say. So this obviously made it very capable of having arcade perfect ports. And as I had mentioned before the songs that Capcom used to develop a lot, like a lot of their CPS1 games, it was like actually their, um, you know, system development machine. So not only was this computer a processing and graphical powerhouse, its sound was mighty, and that was in thanks to its base sound chips being the YM2151 FM sound chip and the Oki MSM6258V, which was a single-channel PCM chip, which was a combination being used by many of the arcade systems at that time. But the audio was also capable of being expanded upon thanks to the Roland SC55 and MT32 MIDI modules. But of course, this soundtrack was made using the combination of the YM2151 and the Oki sound chips, which we'll be getting getting more into after this next uh, bit of music. And we're getting into another batch of jingles here, so we're going to be playing Lucky 7, Home Run, Change, Pro Baseball News Jingle, and Pro Baseball News, all from Namachuke 68, all composed by Yuji Takanochi. <laughs>
Those were Lucky 7, Home Run, Change, Pro Baseball News, Jingle, and Pro Baseball News. All from Namaichuke 68, all composed by Yuji Takanochi. And all made using the combination of the YM2151 and the Oki sound chips. And it's just amazing that uh, Yuji was able to get like these kind of sounds out of that sound chip because like usually when people think FM, they think like really harsh or cheesy sounds. But this, this is really nice. And that Oki sound chip, though, like, you know, the compression on it and the quality isn't the best, still lends itself to having like those really nice, powerful percussion samples. So now have yourself a shit down right here and I'll tell you all about the YM2151, also known as the OPM or Operator Type M. It is an 8-channel, 4-operator, four 4-operator four meaning that it has two carriers and two modulators, sound chip, made by Yamaha, originally for the uh, DX series of keyboards such as the DX21, DX27, and the DX100, and was eventually used for arcade games, the first one being Marble Madness back in 1984, and was subsequently be used by so many uh, companies for their arcade games such as Capcom, Konami, Sega, as well as Williams for many of their pinball machines. So as you could probably tell, it's a pretty mighty sounding little chip, but um, you know, it took a while for it to get from like those kind of like, you know, like kind of preset, like uh, not preset, but like, you know, kind of cheesy sounding things or more harsher tones like, you know, like you would hear in Marble Madness or like some early arcade games or a lot of those DX keyboards and the pop songs to becoming something like this in the hands of like, you know, who somebody who really knows what they're doing. So whereas this chip is kind of like, you know, on its own, it shares a lot of similarities with another family of chips made by Yamaha, the OPN family, which are also 4-op FM sound chips, but starting with the YM2203, which had three, and then up to the uh, 2612, which had six. There are a few others in that family, but, you know, that's for another time. But instead of having, like, you know, extra things like the SSG of the YM2203 or the ability to convert one of its uh, FM channels into a uh, DAC samples, this thing was just like eight channels of pure FM power, though it did have a, a lot more, a, a much more configurable ALFO compared to the OPN family, as well as um, not having an SSGEG, which like, you know, was like kind of like a weird little like envelope mo modulator thing. But it, um, another cool thing about it is that the last channel or the last operator of the last channel has the ability to become like a, uh, a variable frequency noise channel. So I can probably imagine that being used for a lot of like cool wind sound effects or for hi-hat type things, you know, noise stuff. Uh, but uh, one of the things that it also lacks from the OPN family is that, whereas the OPN family can take one of its channels, usually the third, and split it into four like separate operators, um, the OPM or the YM2051 cannot. The more you know! So we move on to the second sound chip, which is the Oki MSM6258V, or Okum6258. And this is what's responsible for all the sampled percussion in this soundtrack, as well as so many other soundtracks on the Sharp X68K. You know, it's just a pretty simple, straightforward PCM sample chip. Um, it is a lesser version of another sound chip, the MSM6295 or Oki 6295, which was a four-channel 80 PCM sample chip, which was used on many arcade systems, especially by Capcom and Data East. But our humble little uh, Oakum 6258, you know, it was just capable of the one. And uh, that's all the really the Sharp X68K needed, you know, if the game needed it. You know, a lot of times uh, the games would just use the FM for percussion. But one strange thing, you, you know, like you hear the samples on here, they sound pretty punchy and powerful, but like um, the uh, sample quality is actually a little less than what is offered with the YM2612's uh, six-channel DAC. You know, to your average listener, you, you probably wouldn't notice, but uh, for those that are really keen and like attuned to this kind of stuff, you know, there, there is a no noticeable difference. So with that, we're going to get into our next couple tracks, and after these, I'm going to tell you a bit more about Yuji Takanuchi. I'm going to play for you League Championship, as well as one that's just simply called Unknown Track. 
all from Namachuke 68, composed by Yuji Takanuchi. League Championship, and Unknown Track, all composed by Yuji Takanuchi for Yamachuke 68. And damn, I'm just not going to be able to stop saying it. Like, this OST is just so damn good. Like, the FM work on this is just amazing. The composition is just astounding. I mean, just every single one of these tracks is just stuck in my head. But there's one especially that's stuck, and that's, uh, that's going to be coming up next. But first, I'm going to tell you more about our guy, Yuji Takanuchi, who, or um, he also goes by Yuji Technochi. Get it? Techno? Uchi? Uh, but yeah, but Technochi, so that's T-E-C-H-N-O-U-C-H-I, is uh, what he uses as his handle for a lot of his social media, such as Twitter and Instagram, as well as SoundCloud. And speaking of SoundCloud, he does have a side channel on there called uh, Missing Soul, where he does a lot of arrangements of his uh, you know, old VGM, as well as uh, some of his contemporaries. And it's all really good. Speaking of arrangements, uh, he has been involved with doing a lot of arrangement albums throughout his, uh, you know, time as like a VGM composer from like you know 1990 all the way up to now, and he does have many original works amongst those as well, and you can see them all on VGMDB. I mean, I mean, there's a lot more than I could probably list here, though many of them are done under, under his uh, Techno Uchi name, and you know, hey, just to lift off, list off of some of them, um, like Konami All Stars in 1993. He was involved in the uh, Konami Music Masterpiece Collection in 2004. Uh, did Legend of Game Music Consumers Box, whatever that is. Um, Death Smiles, a range album. Did original compositions in 2011 for uh, Twinkle Link, which included vocals, as well as a Akuma Joe Dracula Tribute Volume 1 in 2011. Was involved with the World Ends With You solo remix tribute from 2013 as Missing Soul. He was involved with a project called Polyphonic Commandatore, in uh, 2016, which alongside Junya Nakano, and this is a music CD sold only at the Tokyo Game Sh Music Show of that same year. And also in 2016, he was involved in the tribute to Ryo Umimoto music from Yuno, 
which was uh, like music from that game arranged by all these different uh, like BGM composers. And just to cap this off, in 2023, he was involved with the Tokyo Game Music Show 10th anniversary album, Kachu Fugetsu. And uh, you know, this thing hasn't been even released yet. There's no track listing. Um, all it shows is just all these different like music, like uh, composers. I mean, just to name a few: Takeshi Abo, uh, Yuji Takanuchi, of course, um, Yusuhisa Watanabe. We got Keishi Yonawa on there. Ayako Sasso, uh, Shinji Hosoi. I mean, just like a huge list of names on here. And uh, it's available to order from since September of last year all the way up till March 26th of this year, 2023. And then they'll start shipping in 2023. Um, you know, so if you want to get this thing, you can put your order in. It's four CDs. It's um, 8,000 Japanese yen. And that's about what I got for you musically on this guy. But there's more to him. There's more to Yuji. He is a man of many, many hobbies. I mean, like, uh, I've been following him on Instagram for, like, the last maybe, like, five years or so. And just through that time, I've seen him, like, put up, like, these di dioramas of, like, these really articulate um, models. You know, like, really crazy things. Like this shirtless shirtless uh, balding guy who's, like, constantly screaming. They chase, like, shackled and chased down by aliens. Or just these really nice, like, you know, miniatures going on with, like, you know, like, um, furniture arrangements and flowers. And then, like, he's also into, like, flower arrangements. As well as um, showcasing like cologne and perfume bottles. I mean, like really cool-looking bottles. Like, you know, I'm not really much for cologne or perfume, but the bottles look really, really nice. And he's also big into cosplaying. I mean, like uh, a lot of times, um, he'll be taking pictures of himself like in this really cool like overcoat with like um, like this giant sword. You know, with his two-colored hair. He has like one side black, one side gold. I mean, you know, this guy has a lot going on and still has time to like you know make music and DJ and all this really cool stuff. It's just um. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. So I, I really recommend you go follow him on Twitter and Instagram. Um, again, it's uh, Technochi, T-E-C-H-N-O-U-C-H-I. So we're getting close to the end here, and I've been saving the best for last here. Um, this second-to-last track is is the track for me, is like the MVP of this soundtrack. So up next I got for you is Match End, alternatively is also known as Game Set, composed by Yuji Takanuchi for Namachuke 68. I couldn't help but play it three times. That was Match End, or also known as Game Set, from Namachuke 68, composed by Yuji Takenochi. And much like Statistics, or it's also known as Aftermath from Gekitotsu Pennant Race 2, uh, yeah, this is this is my jam right here. This is the one. This is that one that gets me all goose pimply and sometimes a little teary-eyed. It's because it's just so damn good. 
Again, I just can't quite put my finger on this one, but it's you know just another one's ones that where I just kind of got the idea of hearing it in a different form. This in this case the YM2413 sound chip, which is you know very much less of what the YM2051 is, and I just made an arrangement of it. Sounds pretty cheesy, but hey, I had fun making it, and you know I had fun putting this episode together for you. It's um, kind of just one of the like these two soundtracks are just kind of ones that were just sitting in the back of my mind, and like I wanted to showcase them in some way or another, just like you know kind of tough to figure out when to feature them so I just figured hey I'll just make their own dedicated episode you know I wanted an excuse to dork out on some of these sound chips you know maybe I could have gone a little more in depth but you know I was just kind of just doing a quick thing because I had so much going on with this but I hope you all enjoyed it nonetheless and, you know I'm kind of liking this format focusing on two games you know that have that share similarity like with the for example the highlight episode I did a while back which was like taking the two highlight three games you know, comparing the two soundtracks because they were very different for, like, what's basically the same game. And, uh, you know, here we got two baseball games made by Konami with really awesome soundtracks made by the same composer. So this is very much going to be a recurring theme that's going to be coming up. And uh, if anybody has any suggestions of ones that matter like this, shoot them my way and I'll kind of figure it out. So now to kind of wind down here, um, again, I'm going to say go check out Yuji Takanuchi's stuff. Uh, you know, again, on SoundCloud, it's Technouchi and Missing Soul as well as check him out on Twitter and Instagram because, like I said, he's a, just a really fascinating guy. And speaking of checking things out, if you're uh, new to the show, you can find, you can check it out on all your favorite podcatchers such as Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Audible, Amazon. Or if you're like, you know, listening directly from the site kind of person, you can check it out on uh, vgemporium.wordpress.com where you can find all the show notes and related links to the things I'm talking about in the episode. You can also find VG Emporium on, on the uh, social media, such as Twitter and Instagram. And uh, there's a Discord server uh, if you'd like to try that out. I might, I think there's a link on the uh, show notes there. And then uh, me, I've been your host slash the proprietor of this establishment, Rage Cage. And you can find me on those same social medias, Twitter, Instagram, as well as SoundCloud, where I post my original music. So now for uh, as far as uh, next week's episode, I'm not quite sure what it's going to be. It's going to be a surprise for you and I. Yeah, so I hope you like this weird multi-mini deep dive thing I've done. Like, I was talking about, like, what, like, seven different things? The two games, the two sound chips, the two computer systems, and the one composer? Well, wacky, wacky times. What did I do? Why did I do it? Because I am a crazy man. So now I will bid you adieu with this last track here. And this one is, like, really beautiful in its own right. Just the, just the patches that Yuji was able to make with this for this one. is just, ah. But anyway, this is ending theme from Namachuke 68, composed by Yuji Takanuchi. <laughs>